you by naturopathicearth.com. Here is certified health coach A. Gregory Luna with Confessions of an Obese Child. Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Happy New Year. Feliz Año Nuevo. And I don't know how you would say it in French. Feliz Año Nuevo. Either way, we are in 2018. I think, as I mentioned in, in my most recent Naturopathic Earth Radio, looking back in the 80s, if I ever thought of the, of the year 2018, I would have thought that we our world would have been like the Jetsons. We would have been flying around spaceships and be able to push buttons in our house and our food would come out ready made and our clothes would be done and we have a robot made or I would think uh, our, like a futuristic movies where we're colonizing faraway planets and all that. But really 2018, aside from smart technology, we still are, our cars are pretty much fundamentally the same. Our houses are fundamentally the same. A lot of things are just fundamentally the same, but you know, it says in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible, you should wear your silver hair like a crown. So the fact that we got through another year without dying and doing something stupid like walking in front of a car or bungee jumping or trying to climb Mount Everest and we're still here, that is a testimony to us and for us being perhaps prudent, if not a little overly cautious or just really lucky that we're here for 2018 and that gives us more time to be around family and friends and we should be appreciative for that. Speaking of... This confession, I wanted to talk about things that my obesity did to make me a better person. I know the last episode on how growing up obese destroyed my relationships, you know, listening to it, because I like to listen to my podcast after I did it once just to see if there's any like glitches or anything like that. It can be negative. And as a whole, I think that some of my episodes can be kind of downer, downish, downer-esque, So I thought it'd be good to do an episode of like, how did growing up overweight make me a better person? So before we begin, of course, the website is naturopathicearth.com. You know, like, well, Gregory, what does that have to do with growing up overweight? Well, I don't know. I don't know. So it's a general name. Uh, Perhaps it wasn't well thought through, but you know, I I don't want to be defined solely by uh, being a formerly obese person who talks about their experiences as an obese child. I want to have a website name that was more inclusive and because I, of course, talk about other things. Right now I'm on a big blog on insomnia and, and of course, naturopathic stuff. And so I wanted to include, make it a little more inclusive, but perhaps the name is a little too foreign to people who are not really into naturopathy. And I guess the greatest irony is most of my topics and blogs are not really naturopathically related. But either way, I'm not going to change the website name because that seems too much of a hassle. So definitely go to the website and check it out. And of course, I am a certified health coach. If you need some help losing weight, contact me. All right, let's begin and talk about four or five things in which obesity or being an overweight child made me a better person. (music) 
All right, number one, and this is just from my experience. I'm not going to speak for everybody because everybody is, of course, different. So number one for me, it made me more empathetic. It made me more empathetic. And this makes a lot of sense, of course. If you experience bullying as a child or some sort of trauma, you typically are going to feel empathy and sympathy for people that are going through similar plights. Now, they say that a lot of bullies, they themselves were bullied as a child. So I suppose it could go two ways. If you had trauma as a child, maybe it's just your nature versus nurture, and perhaps you'll go down one of two roads. One road might be that you were traumatized and bullied, therefore you want to bully people because you don't want to deal with the hurt and rage that you have for what happened to you, either abuse or you were bullied or whatnot. Or the other road, and this is the road that I went down, is that it makes you more empathetic. And not just toward other people that are overweight. It's people that are going through any plight, any issue, uh, I think that you you realize that there are a lot of people in the world that are suffering, and I'm not going to talk about like pestilence and famine and rape that's going on in you know Democratic Republic of Congo. I'll just talk about the United States. Everybody has a cross to bear. Everybody has issues, whether it be financial or psychological or family or whatnot. And so I, I can't speak for everybody, but nobody has a perfect life. And if you do have a perfect life, God bless you. I don't envy you for that. I don't begrudge you at all. But in general, we all have issues. And I think growing up overweight makes you less oblivious to the plights of others. I think that perhaps if you grew up like the cheerleader, the popular kid that, that got it all and had it all, uh, you don't really nurture that gene or that talent because you don't have to because you think everybody's kind of got it easy and good because you had it easy and good. And so when you don't have an easy and good growing up and, and being in school and in high school, I think it just makes you feel for other people that are in your plight. I had talked about people in my own high school, the other nerds, you know, the tall geeky nerd, the acne kid, the kid who didn't speak good English, the one in the wheelchair. And so even though I couldn't relate to all of what they were going through, you have that camaraderie and bond. And I think well, when you get older, it's the same thing. I, I, I noticed that like anytime I work at a new place or new people come to the school, like new teachers, for example, some people just don't care about the new person. But I noticed that, and I'm not the only person, there's other colleagues of mine that do this. Like when new people come, you go out and befriend them and you want to help them and kind of and acclimate them to their new work environment because you can kind of empathize and you remember what your first day was and how difficult it is to blend in and un and learn all the different computer software programs you got to learn and all the little things. And so it really helps to have somebody there to help you out. And I think I was, I'm just sensitive to that. I'm sensitive to the needs of others. It does not mean, does not necessarily mean I'm not selfish and I can't be a selfish D-bag? Of course. I think we're all selfish to a certain extent. We all want to help people as long as it doesn't inconvenience us too much. But I, I do think it makes you more empathetic. And I think that is probably easily um, recognized in people that grew up overweight or were picked on or bullied is that you, you tend to have nurtured that gene.
All right, the second way that growing up obese made you a better person. Hold on, I'm drinking some mint tea here. Oh, more mint tea on a winter day. Mm. Uh, number two would be it makes you more observant and analytical. I would definitely say it makes you more observant and analytical in this regard. Like when you are overweight, and I mentioned this in episode three of The Invisible Student when I had panic attacks and how I never wanted to give speeches and all that in class, that when you're overweight, you don't want attention. You don't want people looking at you. You want to be a wallflower. You just want to kind of be in the back of the room. You don't like sitting in the front of the room because then you think everybody's looking at your large arse uh, that's behind you. So you like to be in the back of the room. And I think one of the, I suppose, uh, side effects of this is that you develop a, a skill to observe, to observe, because you don't like to be the attention getter unless you, you, you're you one of those who becomes the class clown, right? We know the stereotypical fat kid who's funny, the funny fat kid. Think of... Uh, What's the kid's name in the Goonies? The, the Chuck, Chuck, I remember his name, Chunk, Chunk, right? So there, there's always that stereotype, but typically overweight kids don't want attention. And so since we don't speak a lot at school, we don't, we kind of keep to ourselves. And when you don't speak a lot, you develop the other senses, so to speak. So for example, when you're blind, they say that your hearing is amplified. And so I think when you're obese, or anytime you're a type of uh, just a shy, quiet kid, for whatever reason, it could be for other reasons aside from obesity, that since you don't speak a lot, you really develop that other ability to watch. And I think that really helped me out later on. So I would just watch these kids. I'd watch them. I'd watch my bullies when they weren't bullying me. I'd watch the other kids. I'd watch the popular kids. I'd watch the teachers. And when you do this for a long amount of time, years... What happens is that you can read people really well. You can read their nonverbal uh, cues, their nonverbal ways of expression. And when you become an adult, I think this is a very good tool to have because you can tell to a certain extent when people are lying to you or they're dissembling, they're trying to hide a feeling from you. And that's not to say, of course, that you can't develop this ability when you're an outgoing, um, eloquent kind of person, an affable, outgoing person. But I'm just saying that from my point of view, what I've noticed from me and other people that were outcasts is that we tend to be pretty observant. And so we're good at watching people and therefore we're good at reading people. And when need be, we can use this talent, if we use it on a conscious level, to our benefit, because we exact we we know exactly uh, what people's weaknesses might be. So let's say you watch two people fighting, or two like when let's say you're twelve and you're you're in the back corner, and two of the popular kids are fighting, or two people are fighting, and you're watching them fight, and you're watching them one that other person's talking to somebody else, and you're watching that other person's uh, nonverbal expressions accusing you just watching and just notice like what when what when somebody does something to that person or talks about them you watch how it affects them and so you take all this in like a computer and so this can be used later on to your benefit similar to that i think it makes you pretty analytical i think you you tend to analyze and uh, this goes along with being observant that you tend to 
maybe read read things more than the, the the typical person would read into things. And I this course is a double-edged sword because I mentioned in the previous episode how being over analytical where you can't shut off your mind and you just read into everything is not good. But it, it there are times where it's very good to be analytical. And so I think these are two talents that one typically develops when you are overweight or definitely when you are quiet. And again, I can only speak for me, but I know that it definitely helped me to be an observant person. All right. The third way that being obese as a child helped me is that it made me appreciative. It made me appreciative. This makes complete sense. And maybe this doesn't have to do with as much as being an obese child as it is in losing the weight, in losing the weight. Because I think that when you lose the weight, you're really appreciative because you understand that there are a lot of people who don't lose the weight or can't lose the weight or lose the weight and gain it back. And I have mentioned in previous episodes the idea of survivor guilt, survival guilt, the phenomenon of you decide, for example, not to go in that plane and then everybody dies in that plane and you're like, why me? Why did I get to survive? Or in a car accident or any sort of calamity. And I've I've grappled with this, especially the years right after I lost my weight, the first 10 years or so back in the 20s. I dealt with this. Like when I would see an overweight person, an obese person, I would think, you know, why me? I was one, I don't know, accident, uh, workout accident, car accident away uh, from not losing my weight during that six-month window when I lost my weight. And if you're not familiar with that story, go back to that previous episode called How Did I Lose My Weight? And uh, that could have happened to me. So why, why me? Why did I lose the weight? Why didn't other people lose it? And so the fact that I lost and I've maintained it for 25 years, I'm very appreciative of that. So it makes me appreciate the fact that I have been able to lose the weight. And I think it just spreads over a lot of things. So I'm appreciative that I've been able to have relationships, albeit flawed ones. I'm appreciative of the fact that I've had children and I've been able to hold down a job. I, you know, I do say a prayer every day where I thank God uh, for my life and I thank my parents for not aborting me, which is a little off topic, of course. But, you know, I, I grew up pre... I grew up... Roe v. Wade was, the, was legalized the year I was, I was in utero. So if any of you were born after 73... Uh, that's kind of a thing you probably maybe might want to think about. It's like your parents could have aborted you at any day during the time that you were in gestation, and they didn't. And uh, we should be grateful for that. So I try to I try to be appreciative of all the little things and the ability to walk and talk and to breathe without pain because there's people who can't do that. And I'm appreciative that I have a roof over my head, and I'm appreciative that I've been able to lose weight. So. These are all things that I guess would be more related to the ability to lose the weight. Now, if had I not lost the weight and had I still be, if I was still overweight right now, would I be appreciative? I don't know. I mean, if you listen to the Dark Night of the Soul episode, when I was at the apex of my obesity and I was uh, cutting and contemplating suicide, I, I don't, I don't know. I've talked about like where would I be now, even if would I even be alive. 
at uh, well, my birthday was in early January, so when this is being released, I'll, I'll be 44 now. So, would I even be alive? I don't know, guys. I honestly don't know, and I'm not saying that to be melodramatic. Oh, I don't know. I'd be dead. I'd kill myself. I honestly don't know. I know what my my status, my mental state was prior to the weight loss, and I honestly don't know either because of that, or because of of the thought of suicide preventing me from being here when I'm 44, or just just increasing the, the, the weight, you know, to the point where I get diabetes and all the complications of diabetes or I have heart failure or all these other things that would prevent me to be, to get to 44. But either way, I am appreciative and I do count my blessings because I know not everybody, um, not everybody can do that or has been able to do that. All right, the fourth talent that I got from growing up overweight is that it made me kind of skeptical, kind of made me a cynic. Now, people who know me would say that probably this is not a good thing, but uh, it, it can be a good tool. So I am very cynical, if you don't know this already. And I think a lot of you listen to MPE know that have, know my view of big, big medicine, big pharma, big business, and that I... I, I tend to see, uh, I tend to be negative. I tend to be a negative cynic. And when you're around positive idealists, they don't like that. They don't like that. Like, uh, they, they think you're, you're such a downer, right? And I can be a downer. But I think growing up overweight, you definitely see the bad of most people. If you go back to the episode of the kids stealing my bathing suits and stealing my gym shorts so I can I have to run around naked and the things that happened to me in summer camp and in the amusement park, you can kind of see why kids who are bullied don't have a rosy view of mankind, of womankind, and that we kind of have a view that mankind's a piece of crap. Right? But you try to develop a, a more mature, nuanced view of that as you get older, of course. But I think deep down, I'm always a cynic, and I'm always kind of a, a pessimist. And so when people are talking, or people expressing themselves, I, I, I just see through the BS. I don't trust them. I don't trust what they're saying is to be true. And I think that most of the time they're just saying it for whatever gain. I mean, this definitely can be applied to politicians, but this can be applied to everything. I mean, why are we? Why do we have commercials on television? Why, why do we even have television? It's not for your betterment. It's for them to make ad revenue money off of you. You know, for for all these things. I mean, any business businesses don't care about you. They just want your money, so they mask and couch it in providing you services and that they care for you. I mean, think of like Zales and all these jewelry things where they're selling engagement rings, and they have this couple in love. So you're like, oh, I'm going to be in love. I want to get a ring. They're just trying to evoke an emotion from you, so you'll go to their store and buy their ring. But again, this is a perfect example how I think some people would see that being kind of being a, a cynic. Uh, is is a useful tool to have, and some would say it's not. I guess it just kind of depends on where you are in that spectrum. But I think it's good to have that that BS BS radar 
And I think people who grew up bullied kind of have a very high BS radar, and that goes back to being observant. All right, the fifth way that growing up obese made me a better person is that made me hone my personality, made me develop my personality. And I think the best way to explain this is, is, is this way. When you have an easy formative period, let's say you were popular in middle school and in high school, or let's say you were blessed with looks or you're blessed with looks and money and popularity, you don't have to develop other aspects of your personality. So for example, think of a, a good-looking guy, like a jock, a good-looking guy or, or just like a gifted athlete. They get all the attention and, that they need just based on either being very good-looking or being a great athlete. And so because of that, they don't need to develop their skills in other, in other ways. Conversely, when you grow up picked on and bullied or, and or you're not an attractive person, you have to develop other aspects of your personality to compensate for that liability. So for example, you might develop your humor, you might develop your wit, you might become a better student. So you might become more book smart, you might become more bright, you might uh, develop some other skill that people find useful, like, I don't know, being working on cars or something like that. And you're forced to do that because you can't rely on the easy stuff of your looks or some preternatural talent, like if you're the quarterback of a football team. Another way to apply this is, let's say, um, good-looking people. They always say good-looking people are bad in bed. And the reason, the the theory behind this is that Good-looking people are, are kind of narcissistic when it comes to being in bed and that they never really have to develop that talent because good-looking men, for example, will always get women flocking to them, so they don't need to be sensitive. They don't need to be giving in that realm. Whereas if you are, let's say, an unattractive person or you had some sort of, of handicap when you were in your formative years, you go out of your way to be giving and you go out of your way to be uh, more responsive uh, to your your partner because you're just so grateful that you have a partner, right? When, if, I remember, and I can only speak for myself, like if I would, when I was 12 or 13 years old, if you go back to the episode on the opposite sex, it's like I was just so grateful whenever I had my first girlfriend. I was like, oh, my God, I got a girlfriend. Oh, my God, I'm going to cheat her. So, well, I'm gonna... And I think you're just so grateful. It's like a guy starving in the desert, right? He comes upon an oasis and he's just drinking all the water. He's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And drinking all the water. It's kind of the same thing. So when you when you don't have somebody in your life and you finally get somebody, I think because you've developed other aspects of your personality and or you tend to be more giving in the relationship, you tend to be a better uh, romantic partner because you're just so happy and you want to please the other person. Whereas if you've, if everything's been given to you on a silver platter, when it comes to getting attention from the opposite sex, you've never had to develop other aspects of your personality. So this is where we get this idea of the dumb jock or the dumb cheerleader, right? Because they never really had to develop a wit 
they never really had to develop humor because they were just beautiful people and beautiful people become complacent. And even though they might not know they become complacent, most do. Now, of course, are there exceptions? Sure. There are beautiful people that are brilliant and bright and industrious and witty. But in general, it is one of the benefits. So when you grow up with some sort of uh, obstacles and impediment or you were bullied, you have to rely on other resources. You have to be uh, resourceful and have some some gumption and figure out other ways to make yourself liked by other people. All right, the sixth and final reason or way that growing up over, overweight was good uh, or positive that came out of it is, is not in regards to personality, but it's in regards to working out. So I have been working out at least probably four times a week for the last 27 years. And I think that when, I, and I think you guys have noticed this, like people who were not overweight in high school, let's say jocks or just regular, you know, run of the mill kids in high school, when they get older, when they get married, they have kids, they tend to put on weight sometimes and um, then they have to try to try to lose the weight but they don't have that exercise ethic because they never really had to develop an exercise ethic and so it's difficult for them to lose weight and I think when you are overweight and if you are fortunate enough to lose the weight we've talked about in many episodes, how did I lose my way? College dysfunction, food is my mistress. All those, all those episodes where the big underlying fear post weight loss is gaining your weight back. And so, when you lose your weight, you develop an exercise ethic. You do because fear. Fear motivates you. It's kind of like those zombie runs they have where people dress up as zombies on marathon or, or 10Ks or whatever, 5Ks, and they chase you until you're like running really fast because you pretend they're real zombies. It's kind of the same thing. Like when, you, when you've when you lost your weight, your workouts tend to be pretty focused. And even now, 26 years later, uh, I'm pretty focused on my workout. So if I'm doing the rower or the elliptical or running. Now, granted, my times are not as good as they were 10, 15 years ago, but I'm not, I don't watch TV. And I mentioned this on the MPE episode on uh, 10 ways to biohack your exercise. I don't watch television when I'm working out. I put on the fast dance, you know, techno synth 80s pop music that I like. And I put it loud and I go as fast as I can. And I have like a focal point and this is actually something I should probably mention more on MPE radio. I, I, I think whatever gym or if I'm running, I have like a focal point in the distance. And so when I'm running or rowing or whatever I'm doing, I look at that focal point the entire workout and I'm just focused on that spot. And this helps me focus on the workout. And so I've never been one of those types who gets on and just does like five minutes or 20 minutes while watching the news. It's out of just like, I guess, I guess the best way to explain it is just investment, right? I've invested so many years in losing the weight and keeping it off. And so when I work out, it's like the closest I'm going to get to war, which is no offense to any of you who've served 
our, for our country. But it's the closest I'm going to get to war. So when I'm on that machine, I I use I, I still come up with these scenarios. Like for example, one scenario I have is that all my friends and family are watching on on cameras, right? And all of them have like some type of stake invested in me finishing on a certain time on my workout. So if I can get my, you know, my five mile run under 45 minutes or three mile run under whatever, 26 minutes, um, then whoever wants a child will have a child. Whoever is, is in need of money will have more money. Whoever, uh, I don't know, uh, like my friend Roy, he lost a leg. If I can finish in time, he'll get his leg back. I mean, all these kind of like weird incentives that I have in my mind or like there'll be global peace or some nonsense. But these are like internal motivators that I put in my head to keep that fire stoked. And I think that when you are overweight, and you lose your weight. Now, you could have been normal in high school, and then you gain weight in your 20s, and now you've recently lost it. And it's the same thing here. Uh, there's, there's a fire that burns because you realize the way you were, and you don't want to be that way again if you can help it. Now, of course, I'm eventually going to gain my weight back. And I've probably, or five, even right now, five pounds, 10 pounds more than I want to be, maybe, because I don't really weigh myself because I don't want to get fixated on that. But I know there's going to reach a point where I will gain my weight back. I'm just trying to delay that point as far as I can. But I, I definitely think growing up overweight with workouts, it stokes you. It stokes the fire to keep your workouts pretty hardcore and pretty focused. Okay, so those are the six things. So going back, six six things that 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 growing up overweight made me better, a better person. One is that it made me more empathetic and sympathetic. Two, it made me more analytical and observant. Three, it made me more appreciative. Four, it made me more of a cynic. Though that's arguably a double-edged sword. Five, it made me develop my personality. So I did. You know, I guess I didn't mention specifically how it how it maybe uh, made me develop my personality, but certainly I had to become more witty and maybe more funny. And then the sixth one has just made my workouts uh, better because you you don't take your workouts for granted. So those are the six things, and and I'll say this: look, if you ever met me in person, I can be very outgoing and charming, but I think deep down. I'm still the quiet, introspective watcher in the back of the room. And especially if you put me in group situations, this goes back to the Invisible Student episode. I am pretty comfortable on one-on-one, one-on-two scenarios. But you put me in groups, even if it's people I know, if I know everybody, uh, I don't feel comfortable. And if it's a groups of strangers, I, I go back, I almost revert to the, the, you know, 14 year old overweight Albert self, the fat Albert. And I don't talk at all. I do not feel comfortable in, in group settings. And I noticed too, that even when I, when I talk to people, I don't like elaborate a lot. I'm more of the question asker to propel the conversation, especially in groups. I won't, I'm not good at telling stories. I'm not good at telling jokes. I'm more, I like to ask people questions and let them talk because again, I think maybe it goes back to like, I want the attention to be on them. 
because I don't like the intention on me. But I notice that I like I like to ask questions and just let them talk. Also, maybe that goes back to the observant thing. I like to let people talk so I can learn more about them and be pick up clues about them and and details about them. So, if you can relate to any of these these phenomena. Uh, please contact me and let me know. You know, contact me through uh, the website, Naturopathic Earth. So aside from that, guys, uh, Happy New Year. And uh, if you can, if you can spend a, a second or two, go post a review for Confessions on uh, Apple iTunes or Apple Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. I don't even know what they call it now or any way that you're listening to this podcast. And also, if you could post a review for MPU Radio and Kate's Apothecary, we would appreciate it. All right, guys, take care, God bless, and be good to yourself. And don't be so hard on yourself. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com for additional confessions, wellness articles, recipes, and a whole lot more. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Naturopath Earth. See you next time.